Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Adam White and I'm joined by Jeremy Smith to talk through the weekend's league and action. We're up to round six already. It's already flying by. 38 games are already six through. Uh, an exciting weekend again in league and it's been a brilliant season so far. Let's hope it keeps this up. Uh, a lot of goals flying in all over the league this weekend. Uh, and Friday night, unfortunately for Jez, his, uh, his Mets side were beaten handily by Strasbourg 3-0. Habib Diallo... Uh, with a first half brace. On Saturday, Lons and Lille played out the Northern Derby. Lons winning 1-0, but that game was again marred by its crowd trouble, as we saw in Nice, uh, Marseille. Similar scenes, thankfully not as, not as violent, but uh, uh, a, a pitch invasion and uh, serious punishment heading towards at least one, probably both clubs, uh, after after this this weekend, Bordeaux beat Sanetien 2-1 in the late game on Saturday. Uh, Yuzhou Wang with a brace. Nice and Monaco drew two each on Sunday lunchtime. And then the multiplex saw Rons and Lorient draw 0-0. Nantes were fantastic in beating Angers 4-1. Uh, there were three goals in the first 10 minutes in that game. It was a, it was a crazy one to watch. Uh, Brest and Clermont drew one each, as did Trois and Montpellier. Teddy Savonier with a late equaliser there. And then later on Sunday, Marseille beat Rennes handily as well, 2-0. Uh, Bamba Dieng with his third goal in two league and games. And then the Sunday night primetime game was between PSG and Lyon. Another good game, PSG running out, for me, undeserved 2-1 winners with a late Maro Icardi header. We'll start there, Jez. Um, so... This game was, was slightly odd. I, I thought that Leon really held their own. And despite having very similar flaws on show to their previous encounters in, in the league, be, simply because, I don't know, they, they're sort of suited to playing against better sides almost. Um, they didn't ha necessarily have the issue where teams sit in against them and then counterattack and there's so much, they leave so much space in behind and they're punished. PSG obviously playing on the front foot and Leon's kind of went toe to toe for them. I thought it was a pretty even game for the most part. How did you see it? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I, you know, heading in deep into injury time and um, score at one or obviously we'll come to how PSG got their goal and, and Leon can feel very hard done by about that. But probably on the balance of play, a draw would have been fair and, and the least that Leon deserved. And as you said, like, it's always a running joke how they, they do badly against the poorer teams and, and seem to, to play well against the better teams. And maybe it is that that thing about sort of being able to kind of um, counter-attack or pick off the, the more open teams on the break. But they, they haven't had a bad record over recent years against PSG. I, I even remember sort of, you know, I think a 5-0 where sort of for an hour or so, Lyon matched PSG and then Mbappe sort of went up a gear and, and that was that, that kind of thing. And again, yesterday, I thought they they more than held their own. I think Paqueta was the best player on the pitch. I thought Malo Gusto, again, was excellent at right back. Um, there was sort of the, the sort of first good signs of, of that centre-back pairing, Denaya, um, Boateng that, that could be very effective um, I thought Kakure and Gimaraes both did a good job even Toko Akambi who can you know can be wasteful and frustrating at times as a beautifully rated pass for Paqueta's goal and then as so often happens PSG sort of flattered to deceive but somehow come away with three points and and I mean, the, the bottom line is that Lyon have to be sort of devastated, very frustrated, but also, you know, they, they really need to take the positives out of that. I think they they are quickly growing as a team. Um, 
as, as we said, even from pre-season, going forward, they have looked very effective and the issue has been defence, but it looks like that's tightening up a little bit, although, um, I mean, it was clever movement by Icardi, but it was pretty much a free header at the end of the match. Um, so I think definitely there's positives for Lyon. Um, the huge frustration and, and um, the sort of latest thing that isn't really going to win PSG any friends is that um, their first goal, you know, Lyon may well have been able to hold on if they'd been able to keep that 1-0 lead for a bit longer. But the penalty that, that um, pulled PSG level was, you know, at worst, it was a dive by Neymar. Hmm. Sorry, at best, it was a dive by Neymar. At worst, it was a Neymar foul on Malagusto before he dived. Dove, dive, dive, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we were saying just before recording, I think, you know, Tupin has got a little bit of previous, but fair enough, he's not the first referee to be hoodwinked by a Neymar dive. But for VAR not to overturn it is is very, very strange, in my opinion. And and it, it does leave a bad taste, I think. Um, to be fair, I thought Neymar actually had a decent game. Um, but it's, again, that kind of thing that you know, the Neymar fanboys who wonder why he gets so criticised, it's it's that sort of thing. But then he could turn around and say, well, you know, it's it's not my job. It's the referee's jobs to, to call it out if it was a dive. So um, frustration all round. And just generally for PSG, it was sort of classic PSG. There's, you know, trying to fit in all those stars, which doesn't work. They can't all... You know, for me, I know he's not entirely match fit, but Mbappe is not a centre forward. He felt a bit lost. Um, Messi and Neymar probably aren't entirely match fit, 100% match fit either. So we'll give them a little bit of leeway. But I just don't think those four all being pushed into various positions will necessarily work. It also means that you've got one less midfielder. um, And Verratti, again, is a huge loss because he's the one that, the only player who seems capable of sort of transitioning from defence to attack. But when you've just got Herrera and Gay, I don't think there's enough creativity there and you can't just rely on Messi continuously dropping back. Kera, who I was surprised to see in instead of um, Hakimi, I'm not entirely sure why that was, but still doesn't look up to it. Um, there was, you know, the Messi being substituted and was it an injury? Was it not? Was he annoyed? Was, it, was he not? But again, it's another case of, uh, big star sort of publicly seemingly undermining whoever the PSG coach happens to be at that time. So many of the same recurring issues, certainly no semblance of a you know proper cohesive team unit playing together. But again, they ended up with the, with the win. But again, as we said so many times before, it might be enough for Ligue 1, um, but those kind of performances won't win you in the Champions League. No, absolutely. And that that was that was my feeling watching it as well. Um, you mentioned sort of the, the balance almost of the side. It was almost like they Pochettino's plan was to say, well, we've got these four guys, they can score goals, and the rest is everyone is just going to be solid, have some some sort of semblance of shape and try and, you know, maintain that balance with with, with by defending, basically. And that's why I think uh, he said uh, Hakimi didn't play because care of putting because he's a you know, he's more of a defender and and to sort of achieve that balance. Because if you've got Hakimi, who's a really a winger playing at right back you got him marauding down that wing as well. Then you, you start to lose the, the balance, which I can kind of see. But you end up with with a sort of a bit of a dead space in the middle of the pitch. And as you said, like the, the 
uh, Herrera and Greg Gay between them don't really have enough creativity to sort of progress the play and progress the ball. I wonder if uh, a, a 100% fit, fully functional Marco Verratti completely changes that and they, they put him alongside um, someone like Gay in midfield to, to sort of carry the water and, and do all the sort of Verratti's dirty work, if you like. But uh, just because Verratti for me is a completely unique talent to some extent and, and you know, he could... Hit, hit the way that he, he goes about this midfield work could could completely change that that feeling. But you're right. If, if they're in the Champions League, they get picked off far too easily in, in that game and they, they 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 probably don't beat them. Uh, although it is funny, as you mentioned, how, how Leon managed to, regardless of who the coach is, regardless of who the players are, they always, at least in the last sort of five, six, seven years, they've always had this thing about playing well against the good teams and 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 struggling against the, the the weak teams it seems to be continuing it's it's almost it's almost sort of becoming a, it is a running joke really um with with Neymar I absolutely agree on the penalty I I, I absolutely understand the referee giving it like you said that makes that makes sense to me I, I watching it on TV I saw him I saw get Malagusta dive in and I thought that's a penalty immediately but so you know I could understand it being given but then it it you're absolutely right it for me, I was baffled it wasn't overturned by VR, VAR because they get a really good angle. And you can see Malo Cristo doesn't even make a tackle on Neymar. He almost goes down to try and stop fouling him because he knows Neymar sort of pulling him on top of him. With He had sort of his hand on his shoulder, on his neck, and he was sort of pulling him towards him. And and he, he sort of sort of goes down onto his sort of knee or his, his thigh to stop sort of fouling him, right? That's that's how it felt to me. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a quite a quite amazing decision that it wasn't uh, overturned and... I think you're right. I think Leon, hold on if, if that doesn't happen. But I think Neymar deserves a lot of credit for this. So I thought you're absolutely right. Paketar was brilliant. Uh, and it was a great goal that Leon scored. A deserved goal as well. Um, and it's brilliant how how well Paketar's done. He's, he's he's become probably the most important player, um, this, especially this season now Depay's left. But I thought Neymar really turned the tide. He really targeted Gusto. And obviously he's a converted attacking midfielder. So, um, you know, he's not necessarily particularly experienced in, in defending, especially against the quality of players that he was playing against last night. And um, I thought there was another tackle that Gusto made on Neymar in the penalty area that probably, you know, would have been a penalty uh, in, a, in a lot of instances. So he may have got away with one as well. Um, so I thought Neymar really switched that balance or turned the tide in PSG's favour. And a lot of times with Neymar, I feel like he does his Neymar thing. He's ludicrously talented and he does he sort of runs at players commits people uh, and and is is all sort of surface to some extent but obviously extremely good at it i thought yesterday it was like he really took control and said this is how we win this game rather than i'm going to play really well and hopefully winning is a byproduct of that um so i i, I thought it was great yesterday and 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 with obviously you know dark arts aside uh, i think he probably uh, turned the tide in in uh, in psg's favor um, I think that that's exactly the frustration with him because, I, you know, I don't think there's a single person watching football who deny that he's an absolutely fantastic footballer. It's just that it's so often overshadowed by either the theatrics or, um, you know, either the diving or the sort of tetchiness and bitchiness and all that side of it. But when he just gets his head down and does what he does the best, he's irresistible. Yeah, exactly, and, and that's what happened yesterday. It was great. It was great to see. I, I really enjoyed it. It was, but uh, one of his best PSG performances in terms of end product, if you like, for for some time. So I'm, um, yeah, I was I was impressed. Hopefully, from PSG's point of view, that that can continue throughout the rest of the season. Um, I think let's just next let's jump back to 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 to, to Friday night. I know that uh, Mets lost three 0 to Strasbourg, but um, which obviously isn't great from from a Mets fan's point of view. But I, we haven't talked about Strasbourg at all really this season, so. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on 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 how they're getting on and 
how they fit this kind of team together because they've signed Kevin Gamero, um, obviously former PSG, Lorient on striker and has been away in Spain for for many years. I think it's a ridiculously good signing for a club like Strasbourg. But they already they spent what twelve million on Habib Diallo last last summer last season uh, from from Mets, of course. And they've got Ludovico Jork, who's a who's a brilliant forward. They've got these three strikers that they don't can't really all play at once. Although they're probably their three of their better players. Um, and Julian Stefan's coming from Rennes, and uh, they've had a slow start to the season. They've got some poor results. They've been they were beaten handy at Lyon last week. Um, they struggled against Troyes, um, and they sort of they lacked defensive cover. They sold or or lost for whatever reason a number of centre backs and didn't really do much to replace them in the early window. Lucas Perrin came from Marseille. He's very inexperienced. Um, I liked him at Marseille, but I think he's kind of lost momentum in terms of his development, having been out of the picture there for a while. And Maxime Le Marchand's come back from, from Fulham after, you know, he was very good at Nice, but they're, they're a little bit light in those areas, but they played brilliantly here uh, and, and were three and up by half time. Um, is it, is it good enough? Do you think this, this version of Mets without Gamero didn't start, Diallo scored twice, is, is the right formula for, for Stefan to, to keep them well out of trouble? Um, as much as it pains me to say it, it's difficult to use a, a win against Mess as any kind of sort of benchmark at the moment. <laughs> but but I, yeah, I think that there were some really positive signs. I think, I mean, we know that um, I've always liked Thomason, for example. I think he's he's one of those classically sort of quiet, underrated Liga players who I think could do an effective job um anywhere anywhere if you know even if he was to move to the Premier League for example I think he could he could sort of give a good good account of himself of himself you've got um yeah Gilbert and Lienard I'm just looking at the team on Friday play, playing as as wing backs and we know that Gilbert's got quality Lienard he's, he's not a spring chicken but he he was fantastic and showed a great engine the other day I think I've always liked Jiku he's got you know a bit of that sort of Bastia blood in him and you can always expect a bit of a sort of rush of blood to the head but I do think he's a very good defender. Niamzi who um, who, who um, Stefan's brought in played very well um, so I think that there's and obviously sales and goal I think is is one of the more underrated keepers in Liga. so there's a good spine there and as you said I think up front I, I don't think the three of them can play together I know Diallo has sort of often played um, at Messi often kind of played coming in from a flank but I, th- I think probably all three of them two of them Diallo and Najorka sort of your archetypal big man up front and Gamero is your sort of um, more maybe your your little sort of speedy fox in the box although obviously less speedy than he was so I'm not sure the three of them can play together but it they're I think three quality players who can give you different options and and it looked like Diallo was maybe going to be the one who who possibly dropped out I think this is only a second start of the season and you know you can argue that the way that he was I think in his opinion but also in the opinion of a lot of a lot of mess fans kind of pushed out of the club in a sort of really unclassy way, considering what a great servant he'd been. He probably was a little bit extra motivated and certainly the fact that he celebrated his goals. I think half the Mets fans are a bit annoyed and the other half were like, well, you know, what do you expect? Um, So, yeah, maybe that gave him a little bit of extra push. But I think that's now three goals in two games, possibly for him as well. So he's showing that, you know, if and when he's called upon, he can still... Put the ball in the back of the net. Azork, 
I'm not as convinced about him as others, but he's he's certainly proved over the last two seasons that he's a you know you can certainly rely on him for sort of around ten goals or so, I guess, a season. And, and we know Gamero obviously again, also getting on a bit, but um, you know France international, a, a quality goal scorer. So um, you know if the the sort of spine of the team behind them can take care of themselves, you've got players like Thomason and Belgard who can push forward and. and um, certainly in the case of Thomason, he's almost like a sort of David Platt or Frank Lampard who can kind of appear late and, and just on the edge of the area and, and um, slot the odd goal as well. And then you've got those those goal scorers. I think they'll be fine, you know, not necessarily pushing for Europe or anything like that. But um, I think Stefan's got, got a, a nice little squad there, nothing to sort of get anyone too excited but certainly I don't think should be anywhere near the relegation zone yeah I think that's a key point isn't it that they do have a lot of goals as you mentioned those three players will get you goals and and when you're at that end of league and in the bottom half the difference really between the historically anyway in the in the last decade or so has been if you have a goal scorer you're probably okay like a genuine goal scorer they've got three so you know that you'd hope that if they can find the right balance that they should be more than fine um I have to agree on Thomason. I've always loved Thomason, even when he was at Evian uh, that season, uh, what, 2014, 15, maybe, when they got relegated. He was great there, went to Nantes, obviously, and ended up at, at Strasbourg. He's a really underrated player. GQ2 is a uh, is a really good point. A quick word on uh, on Mets. Uh, uh, relegation, you put you picked him for relegation last week. Is it, I guess, nothing, not much has changed. What what does Antonetti need to do to, 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 to rectify things? I really feel like, having um, uh, Papa Mate Sarr as, as almost not quite number 10, but the, the creative player in midfield almost is, is asking for trouble because that's not really his wheelhouse at all. And somehow get Farid Belaya back into the team. I know he wanted, wanted to leave, I think, in the summer, right? But he's he it, without him, you know, you're seeing what a big impact he had last season. So, yeah, how, how does, what does Antonetti need to do? <laughs> I saw that um, the CIES did some kind of report sort of, predicting how the how the table would finish and um i'm sort of clinging on to the fact that they didn't have mess to go down although they did have saint-etienne to go down so i don't know about that but it's just i mean it's actually last season was a very positive season overall but from march onwards it was pretty poor um and so the 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 poor form has kind of it's not just this season it's kind of um, stretched over from from sort of the last third of, of last year, and and I think although Antonetti is is sort of loved and very highly respected, I think there are sort of growing concerns that that maybe everything's gone a little bit stale. I'm not sure, but and to be fair, there have been injury issues. But I think as you said, you again, you look if you look at the starting lineup of, of, of Friday, um, you know the, the defense on paper looks strong, but just has lost you know last year they were very strong this year they I think um it's the worst defense of, of Ligue 1 so far and I think it's it's sort of a record-breakingly bad um start to the season defensively for 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 any mess team which which is obviously not a good sign um up front De Preville and Nian Nian started last season brilliantly and it was such a shame that he had that bad injury and we couldn't sort of see how how far he really could go but I think partly the injury and partly a lot of people may be still thinking actually that might have been a sort of short purple patch and and he's never going to be the same quality as 
a Diallo, let alone you know other other potentially top strikers. Possibly that's what we're seeing. De Preville, I've always liked, but he he, you know, I don't think any of his time at, at Bordeaux was particularly impressive, and and um, he looks a bit of a busted flush and, and sort of, um, you know, a, a real punt on 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 Messi's behalf just because he was available in a free, I think. Um, so the. I, I feel like the defence can sort themselves out, but I'm not confident that we're going to find goals anywhere. And then the midfield, you just look at what was what lined up on Friday, and it's just obviously not to the same as extent as PSG in any way, but it's just very workaday. There isn't much. There's a lot of supposed solidity there, but there's not much creativity. And um, as you said, it's not... I mean, Saar has played as a number 10 sort of for Senegal um, under-21s or youth teams, for example. So it's not completely new to him, but obviously playing that position and being sort of solely responsible for a league A team's creativity is is very, very different for, for someone so young. And um, he can't carry that burden by himself. And Belaya is frustrating because on his day, he's fantastic, but he he's, you know, absolutely the definition of sort of mercurial and, and can also vanish for not only sort of 90 minutes but weeks at a time but then when he is on his game he's fantastic and it's got to be the way we're playing in the moment it's got to be worth bringing him in and um, just to hopefully create some kind of spark you know Bassi came in ostensibly to replace Bulaya as he was due to be leaving and and that he hasn't really done anything yet and and yeah that I think that is the big problem there's no there's no creativity the you know the wing backs are doing what they can but because of injuries and suspensions there's been a little bit of inconsistency there but you can't rely just on on a on a fullback sort of pumping up the wing and and throwing in a cross especially if the the strikers aren't at the top of their game um so I, th- I think, you know, nothing is completely filtered out. But with Bulaya, I think that there's enough sort of ambiguity to suggest it's not just fitness fitness issues. It probably is a bit of um, sort of maybe mental issues because he, he didn't leave, although um, it didn't seem like there was anyone sort of, you know, banging down the door to try to sign him. It wasn't like mess were you know were turning down bids left right and center so i think it's in everyone's interest the club and the player to just sort out whatever issues there are there and, and knuckle down because um it's got not going to do belia any favors if he's just going to sort of sulk on the sidelines and it's certainly not doing mess any favors and my real concern for mess is that it's not just that it's a bad start but you look at the fixtures they're it was a very kind start to the season. Um, they're the the matches that they should be looking to get points um, in because a lot of the, their opponents so far are the kind of clubs that you'd expect to be in and around them at the end of the season. You know, they've played Trois, they've played Clermont, they've played Nantes, I think. Um, the first match of the season, throwing away a two-goal lead against Lille at the time looked decent enough, but... Lille obviously haven't been great so far. I'm not suggesting there'll be relegation rivals, but I'm just saying that sort of with in hindsight, that was actually a much more winnable game than than we maybe thought at the time. So they've really thrown some important chances for points away. And, and you know, this Wednesday they're playing PSG. So 
um, it shows that the, the harder fixtures are coming up. And, and I do worry about how adrift they could be if and when they start picking up a bit of form. Yeah, it's certainly a worry, isn't it, if this, that run continues? You make a really good point about the fixtures they've already had because they, you know, it looks like they're going to need those those games uh, to get points from. And as you said, <clears throat> from March onwards, it was a bit it was a bit rough last season. And we they repraised them a lot uh, uh, last season when they they challenged for Europe in the first sort of two thirds of the year. But they only got forty seven points in the end. You know, a couple of defeats, and suddenly you're you're in a points total that is relegatable. So, you know, there's there's not a, a doesn't need to be a big swing from overall performance last season to this season to have them in real trouble. I, I think Bassi's I know he hasn't hasn't really adapted so far. He's only really got what one one outing so far in Egan, but he was great for Nancy in uh, in Ligue 2. And he's a, he's 23, he's a developing player. <clears throat> and if if but if Belaya's not going to be involved, and I think he's he he's he, he's the type of player that they need to they need to give priority to and 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 put their faith in because he has the ability to, to to create something in that area of the side as sort of behind two strikers with Sara and, and Pajo or Maiga behind him. Um, and they, you're right, they just need, they need some spark and hopefully one of those two uh, players can can provide it. Um, sort of the opposite, they're almost the opposite to Mets in in, in, the, in their trajectory at the moment are, are Nantes because we, we were pretty positive about, as I said, Mets last season are overperforming and we were worried about Nantes uh, this season on the original part of the, the first part we did the season with Eric uh, and he was quite hot on, on Nantes. He was like, they're going to be okay. You and I said, they might get relegated, but they're, 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 they're sort of following a similar path to Mets last season and performing extremely well. Um, a little bit low key, but they've started way better than, than, you know, even probably all three of us thought they would. Uh, and they, they were, they beat Angers 4-1 yesterday. Fantastic performance. Uh, Randall, Randall Colomawani is, been a complete revelation uh in uh since since breaking through is he's such a such a sort of a graceful intelligent forward can play in so many different positions and he really led the charge yesterday won the penalty scored a sort of great goal it was reminiscent of Mesut Ozil's goal I think again if I ask him in the champ is it Champions League maybe at Ludo Garrett's maybe where he sort of faints to shoot about three times and sits players down and 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 they sort of dive in attack when he sort of drifts away from them and it just ends up just sort of tapping it in um, it was very similar to that, and Roman Tomar and Vincent Monso and, and goalkeeper Paul Bernardoni were all made to look a bit silly by Colomani's sort of uh, jinking run. But um, yeah, a four-one win, brilliant, brilliant performance, and Nantes are fine, aren't they? They're going to be they're going to be pushing top half at this rate. At this rate, definitely. Um, yeah, I think um, a couple of you know you've got to give Comboare credit. I know he sort of became a bit of a laughing stock, probably unfairly with his time at. at Toulouse and, and Dijon, Guingamp, can't remember even now which how many clubs he relegated. But, um, you know, we forget also he was at one point a very well-respected coach who was probably treated pretty badly at PSG, for example. Um, so, you know, you don't, I don't think you automatically become a, a bad coach overnight. And, and um, he's showing that, you know, there is sort of life in the old dog yet, I guess. And, and um, yeah, it's it's a relatively nice balanced team and sort of more experienced defence and, and some kind of more exciting, younger attackers. I, lo- I like Simon. I really like that Blas seems to gradually be refinding his form. I mean, this was someone who was, you know, when he first appeared on the scene, really looked like a... Um, Oh, he's a France under twenty one international. Look like you know possibly if he carried on his trajectory, he could could become a full international. And I think he he lost his way for a little bit, um, but I think he's he's playing really well again. And as you said, Colin Mouani, I think it's fantastic. I think he's 
um, you know, only Gignac, maybe Savanier, um, the only other players apart from Colomani could have come out of the Olympics with any credit. Um, he, he did well last year. Um, didn't look like necessarily a, a sort of prolific goal scoring forwards, but still such a, a talented forward player who could make things happen with strength and speed and skill. Um, but he's, he's, he's really putting the ball in the net now as well. And, and I was going to be sort of even more, um, I don't know what the word is, dramatic about, about his goal and compare it to that a bit cheekily to that that famous Latan goal for Ajax, as you said, sort of constant feints, throwing players all over the place, and and um, it's just, I mean, I urge everyone to look it up. It's a fantastic goal, and and if you can do it with the French commentary with with Thierry Henry's analysis, it's even better. And and you know, for Henry to be purring about a goal like that shows shows what a what a good goal it is. And you know, as as, as you said, for for Mess and Mess not having it and Strasbourg having it. If nothing else, if you can get someone reliably scoring a dozen goals a season, it's going to help you loads. So, um, you know, probably you, you could argue they're helped a little bit by the fact that they're playing this season's version of Angers, which is open and, and looking to play a lot of football as well. Um, you can't see practically anyone scoring four goals at Angers under um, Stefan Moulin, for example. But, um, you know, you still got to put the ball in the net four times and and none were able to do that. And yeah, certainly the way they're going, they, why, yeah, why not a push for Europe at this rate? Yeah. It's going to be such a, such a tightly contested fight, the way Ren are playing and the way even Leon to some extent are playing, you know, that sixth place is, is definitely up for grabs. And there are a lot of teams <clears throat> behind the obvious um, sides that, that, you know, that, that, the challenge for Europe that could that could sneak in there, and at this rate, you know, non, don't have to worry about uh, well, the same with everybody, but they don't have to worry about the League Cup anymore. They don't have to worry about European football, which was a big deal for for Monaco, for example, last season when when they they challenged for the title. A big plus for them was not having to deal with the Europa League trips or Champions League trips midweek. Um, and yeah, they, they've they've got all they need to worry about is they're not going to necessarily focus on a cup run in the Coupe de France either. So you know, they they've they've got the season already planned out. They've got a they've got a developing squad that's overperforming perhaps. But with Kolomowani and and Blas back on form, you know they've they've got a lot of options, and uh, you know they 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 could eat, they could sneak in there. Um, I just want to finish the pod with the events at uh, uh, Leo at Lons, sorry, on on Saturday afternoon. Uh, very disappointing again to see. Very frustrating. France sort of shooting itself in the foot to some extent, as we were chatting before we came on, and have on previous pods uh, with with some ludicrous uh, crowd trouble. Um, explain to us sort of how this went down and 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 what what can France do? What can the Ligue 1 do to to stop this? I mean, we talked about it on the pod before with the with the Nice Marseille incident. With the three of us said, you know, they, they need to be a bit more uh, sort of stringent and a bit more sort of hard hitting in the in their in their punishments. But I don't, I don't think the fans care to, at all. It, the way that the, that some ultra groups behave, it just makes me think that whatever they do, I don't uh, short of banning the group of fans entirely, which they have done at some clubs before, PSG, for example. Um, I don't know how they stop it. But yeah, ex- explain to us what went down here. So, I mean, obviously a lot of it is kind of, you know, which, which story you believe, because each side is going to kind of defend their fans or, or their behaviour. But um, Lille fans are saying it began when um, Lance were basically given 
or a certain group of lost fans were given permission to unfurl a big banner, which was supposed to be in, you know, a pro lost banner. And it turned out that when they unfurled it, it was a quite rude anti-Lille banner. So certain Lille fans kind of took badly to that and at half time sort of started intimidating the, the family stand at Lens, um, including throwing throwing seats. Um, and then uh, the another stand, another Lens stand, the one that sort of contains some of the more ultra groups, basically took it upon themselves to kind of invade the pitch to go and sort of defend their their fellow supporters in 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 the other stand and it all sort of degenerated from there and um that you know luckily there weren't too many injuries but there were injuries on both sides which is um obviously not acceptable and and the second half um was delayed by by half an hour um in terms of what can be done, I really don't know. I mean, a lot of people felt that the, the LFP's punishments after the, the Marseille-Nice match um, was not ideal um, in any way and, and sort of set a few pretty bad precedents, um, which, and I, I don't think any fans are sort of consciously um, saying, you know, well, if, that, if that's all that we risk having or whatever then then we might as well um try it on i don't think there's any of that but as you said i just i think there's some fans that get carried away with the sort of less bothered about the football more bothered about you know sort of defending their colors and defending the badge and and this whole sort of macho posturing against their their sort of counterparts on the other side um i think uh, for me one of the problems not just in in france but in all football is um if you're expecting a, a very thin line of stewards to to do something about it you, you watch the the marseille nice um fight or whatever and and you can see there's a couple of stewards who clearly don't fancy it and sort of gradually backtrack into a corner and well away from things and frankly i'm surprised there's not more of that because these people are probably not trained very much they're probably not paid very much to kind of be the last line of defense with a load of um you know up you know possibly up to a thousand or so um fans intent on having a fight they're not going to stop them maybe the issue is that whatever sort of barriers between fans are used in as well as having kind of netting to stop people invading the pitch also having i don't know about police but some kind of better trained um presence to to try to put people off the idea in the first place um but i'm as you said the, the bottom line and the huge frustration is that it was another weekend with really great football this weekend and and to an extent it's been overshadowed um, and one of the annoyances over the last few years with French football was that um, the, the sort of prefectures of, of each of each region are kind of arguably lazily just banning away fans from going to matches just because they can't be bothered with arranging the policing. And the annoying thing is that a lot of these fans are sort of retrospectively um showing that they were right to to do that um and you know what one of the things we always say that that french football misses in comparison with say the premier league or the bundesliga is you know really good away fans creating better atmospheres and um slightly more even matches and and um 
you have to say it's to a large extent it's the fault of the fans themselves yeah it does feel that way absolutely um Lons uh gonna have to play the next two games behind uh closed doors before a, a sort of it's sort of a precautionary punishment before an actual punishment which will happen in October when the, the board get to meet and decide that 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 punishment and Lille fans have been banned for going to Strasbourg at the weekend of that away game so they won't be allowed to take up the uh the away section um, the, big, the big winners of the weekend are Strasbourg, as well as you know <laughs> Derby win. Then um, they benefit from both the Lens they and do. the Lille. Yeah, yeah, because it's Rennes and Strasbourg are the two teams that Lille. So yeah, they've they've had a had a good weekend. They've got some some home advantage, lack of home advantage uh, in some cases to to, to help them along. Um, just finally, before we finish off, uh, very sad news of the passing of uh, Rene Malaville, is a famous uh, Marseille fan. Um, uh, iconic Marseille fan uh, was was seventy three and, and very sadly passed away this last week. Uh, and and you you had the pleasure of interviewing him a little while ago for for GFFN. Just just tell us a little bit about uh, about Rene and 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 what you what you found out and um, what speaking to him. Yeah, I was I, I reread the interview yesterday and he's just he was a fantastic character. Just um, you know Marseille fan. Um, since since he was a little kid basically and so obviously a great history of, of sort of experiencing the great Marseille teams of the 70s the the 90s and and the sort of maybe the the frustrations of following Marseille in more recent years but that's that's what made him so special he was just passionate about football passionate about Marseille and he sort of became famous doing his um uh, Minute René for Le Fosséen which is um a Marseille-based um online paper basically every uh, uh, on the monday or whatever after after every marseille match he'd kind of do a the two or three minute piece to camera um and you know there, there was no sort of well i guess a lot like everything about marseille the city the club everything there was no sort of gray area everything's either brilliant or terrible but either way it was fantastic to watch him either sort of you know throwing huge praise over the team and the manager and the chairman or whatever, or absolutely slating them. Um, but, you know, he absolutely wore his, his heart on his sleeve and, and um, was always like, the way he did it was always fun, sometimes hilarious. Sometimes you sort of worried for his health, the way he'd sort of wind himself up, getting um, so annoyed at, at some of the poorer Marseille displays, but clearly, just the love of, as I said, the city, the the club, and just football in general just oozed out of him, and and um, he became a, a a real cult character, obviously with Marseille fans, but I think in football in general, and you know he would appear on on um, on the odd uh, football program in France as a result as well, and and um, just yeah, I think he, he's a character who will be hugely missed because. Um, you know, almost harping back to everything we've been talking about today with, with um, and he sort of touches on it a bit in the interview, the, the, the side of football, which isn't as much fun as it used to be with sort of money taking over and, and LFP incompetence and, and certain fans not being in it, in it for the proper love of, of, of the game and of their team, but more just for the, the sort of nastier bits of, of, of football supporting. It's, it's, it's almost ironic that, that he passed away this weekend with all, all this kind of stuff going on. Um, 
you know, I don't know how he'd have felt about the PSG Lyon match because he wasn't a fan of either of, either of them, of course. But um, you know, just a, a really popular voice of, of French football who's gone. And and it was only sort of maybe a month or so ago that he he kind of announced that he was unwell. And and the Marseille fans have been sort of paying tribute to him in 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 every match since. But I don't think anyone was necessarily. Um, realised that he was this ill and that, and that he'd be taken from us so soon. But yeah, a real loss and, and just a big, big character of French football who, who unfortunately we, we won't hear from anymore. Absolutely, very well said. Yeah, was was a, he is a, was a was an absolute uh, icon at Marseille and uh, covering Marseille for Football Radar and for GFN as well. I'd always because I that that uh, I'd use the the his uh, website he appeared on and he was always a prominent feature on there and always great to great to see and great to listen to so yeah he certainly will be missed okay that brings us to the end of the get french football news show for this week we'll be back next monday in the meantime uh do check out our twitter uh feed uh, at gffn there on twitter and the website get footballnewsfrance.com for all the latest on legan and the entirety of French football. A massive thanks to Jez. Uh, I've been Adam White. We'll see you next Monday. Have a good week and enjoy the football.